Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. This week, author Elisa Childers will be here to examine modern lies that are disguised as truths in today's culture. Floyd Brown will illuminate how we can bring a renewal of liberty, freedom, and biblically-based principles back to America. And we'll also take a look inside the latest headlines from the end times. All of these programs and topics are able to be broadcast because of your prayers and financial gifts. Thank you. And speaking of thanks, a big thank you to everyone at Sunrise Christian Academy in Bel Air, Kansas, for hosting our Clarity to the Chaos Conference this past weekend. We had a wonderful time and truly appreciate Rob Lindstead and his entire staff for making us feel at home. It's truly an exciting time here at Southwest Radio Ministries. We recently announced that we have been given a $1 million matching gift opportunity. Every dollar you give is matched. It is doubled. Would you consider giving toward this special match? You can help us continue to meet the mission and double your impact when you give today. You can show your support several different ways. By calling 1-800-652-1144. You can give online, supportswrc.com. That's supportswrc.com. All gifts given are tax deductible, and they all go toward the $1 million match. 1-800-652-1144. We've all seen the memes that populate the internet. Live your truth. Follow your heart. You only have one life to live. They sound nice and positive. But what if these slogans are actually lies that unhinge us from reality and leave us anxious and exhausted? Author Elisa Childers recently sat down with staff evangelist Josh Davis to examine the modern lies that are disguised as truths in today's culture. I'm privileged to be joined by Elisa Childers, and she has written a powerful book, Live Your Truth and Other Lies. That's a wonderful title, Live Your Truth and Other Lies, Exposing Popular Deceptions That Make Us Anxious, Exhausted, and self-obsessed. Elisa, we thank you so much for joining us on the Watchman on the Wall program. Oh, it's great to be with you. You have such a unique testimony. And let's go back to the beginning. How did it all start for you? Did you grow up in a Christian home? How did you come to faith in Christ? Well, I did grow up in a Christian home. I loved Jesus as far back as I can remember. I actually don't even remember a time in my life when I wasn't deeply aware of the presence of God and convinced that the Bible was His Word, that I could trust Him and trust what the Bible said, was a very committed and devoted Christian for all of my life. But the one thing that I never really had experienced as a younger person was any kind of intellectual doubt about what I believed. I was just so certain that what I believed was true. I grew up doing a lot of ministry, went into music for a while, and was a part of the contemporary Christian music group Zoe Girl from about when I was 25 until about 31-ish, that era there, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And yeah, just never doubted what I believed. That doesn't mean that I didn't have my own struggles, but was a very sincere Christian, and I loved the Bible. I had read almost the whole Bible by the time I was 12 years old and just loved God and loved His Word. That's amazing. And so as you're entering into music ministry, can you tell us a little bit about what that chapter of your life was like? Yeah, well, I was essentially following in my dad's footsteps. So my dad became a Christian 
at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa during the Jesus People movement that mm. they're you know made this movie about now. And yes. he was a first generation Christian, and you know, in his rock band Love Song went on to sort of become some of the pioneers of the c- contemporary Christian music industry. So ever since I was really young, I knew that I wanted to be in music. I believed I was called to be in music. I really thought that was going to be the primary way God was going to use me. I had done some ministry in New York for a couple of years, working in the Lower East Side of Manhattan at a youth center. And then I moved back to L.A. and got real serious about pursuing the music. And it was then that we connected with the people who were putting together the group Zoe Girl, and they invited me to be a part of it. And I moved to Nashville at that point and got involved with that and did that for about, I guess it was about seven, eight years and met my husband during that time, got married. And then Zoe Girl came off the road around 2007 or eight. And that's when I started having my kids. And it was a short-lived kind of thing, but I, I have continued to lead worship and do some things like that throughout the years as well. Mm, that's amazing. And during that period of time, you entered into a crisis of faith. Can you describe mm-hmm. what that was like for you and what you went through during that season? Yeah, so after Zoe Girl came off the road, my daughter was probably a toddler at this point, and we had gone to various different churches, and we just really hadn't found that church that we felt like was home for us. And then when my daughter was about 10 months old, we started attending a church just in the heart of Middle Tennessee in the Bible Belt where we live, and we loved this church. We really found that sense of community we were looking for. We loved the pastor's intellectual approach to his sermons. And so after attending there for about eight months, the pastor invited me to be a part of a smaller group that he described as a study and discussion group that would be like going to seminary. He compared it to the four years of knowledge you would gain from being in seminary. And so that sounded really exciting to me because I hadn't really investigated the more intellectual side of Christianity. Mm. And so the idea of learning why I believe what I believe was very exciting to me. And so I just remember showing up to that first class with my Bible and my pen and my notebook, but it was not what I expected. In Mm. the first class, the pastor revealed to us that he was really an agnostic. He described Mm. himself as a hopeful agnostic. And, you know, of course, when he said that, it sent up a bunch of red flags But I just thought, oh, I don't want to be judgmental. I'm just going to hear him out. Maybe he's just being really honest. And so over the course of about four months that I lasted in the class, virtually every core, precious, essential belief that I had held about Jesus and about God and the gospel, and especially the Bible, these things were discussed and picked apart, explained away. And really, it was like deconstruction. And while I was in the class, I would try to debate with him. I would go home and Google stuff and come back and try to argue with him. But there came a point in time when we decided to leave the church. And it was then that I was sort of isolated again. And all of the doubts that were planted in that class took root in my own heart and began to grow. And it really propelled me into a faith crisis that brought me to the edge of agnosticism. The pastor had really done a good job of removing the foundation of the Bible. He had persuaded me intellectually that the Bible was not trustworthy, that it didn't record accurate things, that the people we thought wrote it didn't really write it. In fact, he had me convinced that we didn't even have the original words that were written in the Bible. And so this really shook me. And I remember just crying out to God one night and just saying, God, if you're real, if 
if everything I've believed about you is true, I, I need to know that it's true intellectually. I need information. So God led me to the study of apologetics and philosophy and church history and biblical scholarship, and it really rebuilt my faith to where I came out on the other side of it, persuaded not just emotionally and spiritually, but also now intellectually, that the historic claims of Christianity are true and that the Bible is reliable and stands tall atop a rubble of accusations that are brought against it. So it really served to strengthen my faith. That's sort of what led me to do what I do today, which is write, and I have a YouTube channel and a podcast to really help other people think through some of these issues, and really as they relate to progressive Christianity, because the church that I was at would go on to rebrand itself as a progressive Christian community. Mm. And so that's why I became very interested in answering the movement of progressive Christianity from a biblical perspective, because they were making so many of the same claims that atheists were making, yet they were calling it Christian. And so I wanted to investigate that. So that's what really led me to write my books. Okay, that's amazing to see how it all came full circle. And so the intellectual side of your faith was challenged. And you said you turned to apologetics and you turned to understanding these things. How were some of those things developed in your life? How did you find those answers? Was it just merely online, or did God connect you with other people? How did that present itself in your life during that crisis of faith? Well, I didn't even know, really, that this whole world of apologetics and scholarship was even out there. I don't know if it's because my dad had come into the faith basically as a hippie, and so it just wasn't in our DNA. I just didn't know all that stuff even existed. So Mm. I was driving in my car one day, and I heard someone on a college campus a man answering questions from skeptical students. Mm. And it was almost all the same questions we dealt with in class. So I started, I was like, okay, well, somebody somebody has the answers. And it was through that that I got connected really quickly with a seminary, Southern Evangelical Seminary. And I began to audit classes. I didn't have a college degree, so I couldn't really enroll as a seminary student at that time. And so I just audited every class that I could, Old Testament overview, New Testament overview, apologetics. And it was really through the guidance of SES that I began to really get my questions answered. In a way, even though it was just auditing, they really shepherded me through that. But through that, I found great ministries like Cross-Examined and J. Werner Wallace and Stand to Reason. And it really sort of became my community from afar. I never dreamed I would be a part of that community making content and writing, but it was just so helpful to me. And then, you know, after that kind of dive, I went into a deeper dive into scholarship and really started reading the academic books written on these topics. So it was a bit of self-study, but it was definitely guided by Southern Evangelical Seminary. And that's where our stories cross, because I'm a graduate yes. of that seminary, and God opened up a door. I'd never even heard of SES. I'd never even heard of Norman Geisler until I was a senior in college doing my undergraduate in a science program. But God called me into seminary. That's a longer story I won't get into here. Once I found that, it was like, yes, Lord, this is what I've been looking for, because I went to a quote-unquote Christian college, sort of Christian in name only, and my faith was challenged, and I was struggling to understand the authority of Scripture, as you were saying, and many of those same kinds of concepts. And I found, yes, we do have solid ground that underlies what we say we believe, and we have good reasons for believing what we believe. I'm grateful that the Lord is still doing this, and my prayer is for you as our listeners 
that you will grab hold of these truths as Elisa is sharing them. And we are visiting with Elisa Childers. You can reach our ministry by calling 1-800-652-1144, 1-800-652-1144, or visit us online at swrc.com. And you've talked about some of the ministry that God has called you into in this chapter of your life. You have come out of that crisis, and, and God has repositioned you and given you a platform and a voice to share His truth. And what are some of those ways that you do that? Back when I had gone through years of study to become settled in my own faith, I didn't dream that I would have a public ministry again. I was so content to be a stay-at-home mom with my kids and to continue to do some music here and there. I did not dream I would be doing this, and I didn't really have any desire to do it. But through a training that I went to, through Cross-Examined, which is Frank Turek's Mm -hmm. ministry, I was encouraged by Frank to start a blog and start putting some content out there, because at this training that he gave, one of the main points was that it's not like we're going to think of anything new, but, you know, we might be able to bring this information to a different audience. And then I thought about all the fans of the music side of my life when I was in Zoe Girl, and I thought about how those little girls that we used to reach out to when I was in Zoe Girl, they're grown up now, and they're in this world with progressive Christianity taking over. So maybe they would listen to me if they wouldn't go to cross-examine or somewhere else. So I started a blog, and at the beginning, I was just writing very typical apologetics articles. Mm -hmm. But then I wrote a blog post about progressive Christianity, the first one that I wrote, and it went viral. It had hundreds of thousands of views within a few days. And I thought, oh, okay, so people want this content. Because back when my faith was being rebuilt, it was all of the same arguments that atheists were making, that progressives were making. So the apologists like Frank and Jim and all these guys and the content they were creating was applicable to my search. But there really wasn't, to my knowledge, anybody analyzing the movement of progressive Christianity exclusively. So when I did that, people really were excited about that. So I began to really focus on that. And so that led to a podcast, the Elisa Childers podcast, which led to a YouTube channel. It all led to two books now. I've just turned in my third book. So basically I write, I podcast, I'm on YouTube, and I create online content, but also write books, generally focusing on the deconstruction movement and the progressive Christian movement. And the book that we're going to be talking with you about is Live Your Truth and Other Lies. You've probably touched on this a little bit already, but what motivated you specifically to write this book at this time? My first book was more of a theological memoir, talking about my struggle with doubt and coming into the progressive Christian space and having my faith challenged there and how I came out of that. And so it was really dealing with more of the thinkers in progressive Christianity, maybe the people a little bit more on the intellectual side of things. But I started to notice in between the time that I wrote that book and when I started to write the second book, that there was this real emergence of the top level influencer. So just like evangelicalism or any other movement, you have your intellectuals and then you have your social media stars, right? And so progressive Christianity is no different. And so what I noticed was that the top level influencers were very influenced by the thinkers and the intellectuals, but the thinkers and intellectuals didn't have as big of a platform. Mm. So you would have maybe people with 800,000 to a million followers on social media that were saying the same things that the intellectuals were, but they were saying it in different ways and they were reaching a much broader audience. So whereas Mm. an intellectual might say, 
you know, you're not a sinner, we deny the doctrine of original sin, the pop-level influencer is going to say things like, you're perfect just as you are, trust your gut, you have a good heart, you need to follow your heart. And so it's kind of the same message, but it's being framed differently. So these cultural slogans like those, like follow your heart, you're perfect just as you are, God just wants you to be happy, you only live once. These types of slogans are what I wanted to tackle in the second book and sort of address those more top-level influencers. So, you know, the people who are telling you, live your truth. You need to be your true authentic self, dig down inside of yourself and locate your deepest desires and then live those desires out as your true authentic self. And then in the book, we look at how those slogans fail just on a logical level. But then we go to the Bible and we see how the Bible has such more satisfying answers to life's deepest questions than just telling somebody they're perfect just as they are. So there's a lot of scripture, there's a lot of biblical information that's told more in narrative form as if we were just sitting across from each other having a cup of coffee and someone might say, well, the Bible says this, and and then the person references, but I loved writing this book because I just got to spend so much time in the Bible. Yeah, and it's a powerful read, and we encourage you listeners to pick up your copy today. Again, the book is called Live Your Truth and Other Lies by Elisa Childers. You can reach our ministry at 1-800-652-1144 or visit us online at swrc.com. And you talk about a lot of these lies and what is the difference in living your truth, as the popular saying goes, living your truth versus living the truth? Well, the difference is our definition of truth. And so truth is so simple to define. It's just a statement that reflects what's real. It's a statement that lines up or corresponds with reality. That seems to be such a common sense notion. And most people would accept that definition when it comes to things like science or math, those types of things. But what a lot of people don't realize is that our culture doesn't define truth in that way when it comes to religion and morality. So what we should or shouldn't do as moral people. So what our culture would define truth as is that it's more subjective. It's relative to each person, their context, their environment, the time in history in which they live, the meta-narrative they've been given by their surrounding environment. And so in that way, truth just becomes relative when it comes to morality and religion. And so what culture tells us is that when it comes to what you should and shouldn't do, or maybe how you approach the question of God, There is no capital T truth outside of you, the subject. It's very subjective. So you need to just figure out what works for you. Cobble together some religious ideas that make your life feel better, that give you practical steps to follow, that maybe give you more peace in your life. And as far as morality, you know, you determine that within yourself. And so you need to live your truth. But as we discuss in the book, your truth actually doesn't exist. It's not even a real thing. Because when we look at things like religion and morality, those don't actually fall into the category of a subjective sort of preference or opinion, maybe like what you would say is your favorite dessert or what is the best dessert. You know, you might have a different answer than I will have, but that's because we're talking about preferences and opinions. But religion and morality are not in that category because God exists or he doesn't. One of those things is true and the other one false. I suppose, you know, if you have contradictory statements, they could both be false. But when two statements contradict each other, they can't both be true at the same time in the same sense. So you can't say God exists and God doesn't exist. So that's an objective statement that you're making. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to morality, it's the same thing. If, if morality is simply subjective, 
and it's self-determined by each individual person, well, then that's not going to work out very well because then it's just whoever has the most influence or the most power or whoever is the biggest and the strongest, well, they would get to decide what's actually good and moral for everyone because they would get to implement through sheer force what their ideas are. So that can't be right. We sort of discuss these things in the book and really show how morality and religion are not like your favorite dessert. They're really more like two plus two equals four. There is an objective answer to these things. And as truth seekers, we should be seeking after what those things are. Amen. I agree with you completely. We want to live our life based on what is really real and what is absolute truth. And it's unescapable absolute truth is totally unescapable. Well, Lisa, we thank you for joining us today. We look forward to visiting with you again on tomorrow's program. Me too. Thank you. Being the captain of your own destiny and striving to make your dreams a reality is a huge burden that you were never meant to bear. Discover true freedom instead inside the pages of Elisa Childers' book, Live Your Truth and Other Lies. Order your copy of Live Your Truth and Other Lies when you call 1-800-652-1144. Or you can visit our website, swrc.com. Josh Davis is back with Prophecy in the News magazine editor, Lise Cutshaw, to preview the latest issue of the PITN magazine. Before us, we have issue number 10 of Prophecy in the News magazine. Prophecy in the News is just an integral part of Southwest Radio and the ministry that we have, and we are so grateful to have this magazine in print. I just love seeing it, having it in hand, but we also have the digital version. I like the printed one myself. I'm fond of that, but there's (laughs) digital. Yes, yeah, I am. There's digital versions available as well. How can people subscribe to the magazine? Go to prophecyinthenews.com and fill out a digital form to receive it digitally or to receive the magazine and the hard copy form. And if folks call us at 1-800-652-1144 or visit prophecyinthenews.com, let's jump into some of the specifics in this particular issue. You spoke about eschatology, which includes the end times, but it also speaks about heaven and hell and a lot of a very broad end times perspective. And we have such an article talking about C.S. Lewis and his view of the end times by Dr. Reggie Weems. Who is Dr. Weems and what is some of his background in studying C.S. Lewis and, and how did he bring this article together? He is head pastor at Heritage Baptist Church and has been there, and that is in Johnson City, Tennessee, and he has been there since 1991. He has also published articles and books on C.S. Lewis, and we are so blessed to have his insights on Lewis's burden for the end times and his burden for saving souls. Many people, as the article speaks to, don't realize through Narnia Chronicles or his Space Trilogy or Screwed Tape Letters how deeply C.S. Lewis felt for the souls of others and making sure that they knew that time is short and what might happen as the Bible and Revelation plays out. And going on into the magazine, we have an article on the end of the story by evangelist Don Perkins, 
And friends, I want to tell you, in this edition of the magazine, Preacher Perkins gave us the opportunity and the privilege to reproduce a beautiful chart, a detailed end times chart that he has put together. And it's included in this issue of the magazine. And that makes this particular issue so worthwhile because that's something that people can come back to time and time and time again as a resource. As it goes on, we talk about some of the SWRC reflections, such as from Pastor Larry Spargimino. What was Pastor Larry's article about in this edition of the magazine? Pastor Larry took us from the beginning of SWRC with E.F. Weber and the very first broadcast all the way through to today and the differing people who have been hosting and providing content over the years. And then Pastor Larry also, I I asked him to look to the present and to the future, and so he speaks to that as well. So he gives the whole spectrum of history and looking ahead for SWRC and for our world. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And we've got a couple of classic articles in here as well from voices from the past that our listeners and readers are both familiar with. That's Dr. Noah Hutchings and Dr. J.R. Church. What's some of the content and some of the things that they discussed that we put into this issue of the magazine? Well, it's really difficult to decide on a classic to include from Noah Hutchings because he was so prolific and knew so much about prophecy and the end times. But I chose to run an excerpt from Petra, his book on Petra. That is an amazing book that is still extremely relevant, and especially because he was looking ahead to the purpose of Petra one day, and he believes that it is where the Jewish people will go to be safe during the tribulation. And that is a fascinating article. Again, it's just an excerpt, and and I highly recommend getting that whole book. J.R. Church is speaking to, in this particular classic article, to Daniel and one of the dreams from Daniel, the one that is about the end times. It's also about the ancient times. It's one of those dreams that covers the time that Daniel was living in, the time that followed that, and then going past all those mountain peaks in between and going all the way to the end times. And there's a lot more in the magazine that we can't get to. Clayton Van Hus has an article on the Holy Cup, realities about the Holy Grail. I was privileged to write a brief article on Amazon and the Antichrist, and we always feature headlines from the end times. One more time, Lise, can you remind our folks, how can they get a copy of the magazine? Call us at 1-800-652-1144, 1-800-652-1144, or go online to prophecyinthenews.com. There's a form there under magazine that one can fill out and also give a gift subscription to someone if you like the magazine so much and you'd like to share it with others we'd love for you to do that well thank you for updating us on the magazine today lise thank you and thank you for writing for it again josh oh it's my privilege 
Today's featured resource is Elisa Childers' book, Live Your Truth and Other Lies. Order your copy by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, Elisa Childers will continue to expose popular deceptions that make us anxious, exhausted, and self-obsessed. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.